0: Money FM eighty nine point three, the best of Saturday mornings.
1: International news review. Welcome back. It is our pleasure to bring on Steve Oken for our international news review. Steve, good morning. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great. And in speaking of lane discipline, yes, let's go back to last week. Mm-hmm. American football, my lane. I had Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Neil for the Super Bowl. For the Super Bowl, yeah. Neil outside his lane. Had the Eagles. So I'll stick with the real football and leave the EPL and that other football to you when we start talking about predictions. Lane discipline, Neil. It's all about lane discipline.
1: I couldn't agree more. Sorry about that, Neil.
2: <laughs> That's okay. I couldn't agree more. I'll just say for the benefit of our listeners, American football is this game that they play with their hands, but they call it football, and nobody knows what it is outside of the US. Just to clarify. Second point I will make is I was so close to winning. I was I was for once I was rooting, rooting for the Eagles. I was so close to come in and gloat. And then uh, there was some lucky technicality at the end.
0: Yes, a field goal where the, exactly where the foot came in and won the football game. That's mm. that was the technicality. A foot being
1: used in football <laughs> that'll never take off. I have to say, Neil, if uh, as you watch that game, you will have seen that there was a lot more scrum in the football game this year than you might have otherwise thought. It looked a lot more like rugby. It did at, at certain moments. Uh, which don't get Steve started on that because he's got a whole <laughs> it, it, he's on a whole crusade jump. to get that. Don't get that taken out of. Uh, I'd of rather NFL listen football.
2: to Michael learns to rock. <laughs> I'm just
1: <laughs> alienating everybody no, this morning. But it was a great game. It was I a know, really was, great game, was, right? It, it was very exciting and, and very well matched, and uh, congratulations. Hundreds
0: of people at the American Club all yep. cheering and screaming. It was a great morning, great yeah, game, yeah. and most importantly, I beat Neil.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. There, there are hundreds go. of people at every coffee shop every weekend watching EPL, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Unless
1: there's a funeral now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> we have started already. All right. All right. Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, uh, for those of you not familiar, Steve, give us a little background on her. She's just announced she's running for president, the first person to announce they are, in effect, running for the nomination against Donald Trump.
0: OK, we're going to talk about lane discipline because when it comes to primaries in both the Democratic and Republican side, there's there are lanes and you have to figure out which lanes are going to compete with one another. Okay. Nikki, Hall- Nikki Haley has no lane. She is not going to be the nominee, despite her impressive background. I mean, she was a very effective governor of South Carolina as a Republican. She, was, she has her foreign policy chops, being the U.N. ambassador, having been appointed by Donald Trump. Um, she can speak eloquently, but she has no lane in today's Republican parties. There, there's three lanes in today's Republicans' parties. One is Donald Trump. He has his own lane. The second lane is, I'll call it the Trump-not-Trump. Right. These are the people who can appeal to the MAGA voters, who who can talk about woke capitalism and talk about abortion and how awful it is and and talk about how awful it is that our country is being overrun by immigrants. And that lane right now, the top of that lane is is Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, if he chooses to get in. There's others who are vying for that lane. You know, former Secretary of State Mike Mump. Mike Pompeo. The third lane is we can call the Reagan-Bush lane, the Mm. traditional Republican lane, small but effective government, strong national security, international when it comes to trade. Haley's none of those three. I mean, she's obviously not Donald Trump. She... Hated Donald Trump, she said how awful a human being he was when he ran in 2016, then she joins the administration, then she stays silent when, mm-hmm. on the January 6th insurrection, then she says how awful Trump is after the insurrection, now she likes Trump again, so she's, she's not in that lane, and no one trusts her. Who's who's in that looking for that traditional Reagan Bush mm. person because of her flip flopping mm. on Trump and her dog whistling, which we could
2: talk about if you want, to to the to the white supremacists. So, yeah. so she just has no lane. That's the absolute great point Steve has made there. He's nailed it as ever. I have been reading about her with a a mix of bemusement and fascination, because exactly what you said, she champions the fact that she's a proud daughter of Indian immigrants, but then denies there's racism in the Deep South. She disassociates herself from the Trumpist extremists, but then served him uh, during his administration, then tries to play the women's card to a degree. You know, I'm representing the women's half of the Republicans, but is very supportive of anti-abortion legislation. I came away reading all this stuff not knowing anything about who she actually is and what she stands for. And that's why she's she's not going to win. I mean, if she came
0: out and there are a lot of people who are in those three lanes that that but she hasn't chosen a lane and you have to choose a lane. If you're a Democrat, you choose you. Are you a progressive? Are you a moderate? You're a Republican. You know, are you you traditional conservative, a Trump Republican who's not Trump or Trump? She's nowhere. And 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 what was really what to talk about dog whistle. So I had dog whistle mm-hmm. in, in U.S. politics is is when you say something that. Most people don't hear it, but mm. those who you want to send the message to subtly, who are typically it's typically used in racism, right. they pick it up. She had her launch led by Pastor John Hagee, a right-wing televangelist, who said that Hitler was a hunter sent by God to drive <laughs> the European Jews. To Palestine, who claimed Hurricane Katrina was God's punishment for New Orleans because they had a gay pride parade, who referred to the Catholic Church as the great whore. John McCain refused his endorsement, wouldn't have anything to do with him, yet Nikki mm-hmm. Haley has him lead her her, nom- her her nomination event and says, I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah. That's, the that's dog- not just
1: a dog whistle. That's, a, that's like a foghorn. Where do
2: you find these people? <laughs> Seriously, where do you find well, these they're people? they're
1: in every country. And and you know, so, so Haley's just yeah.
0: grasping, and, and, yeah. and she's grasping. Look, I—, I she might very well be the
1: number two in the Republican. Well, that's and nomination. that's what some people are saying. She's looking for that a DeSantis number two, for example, right? Possibly
0: a Trump number two because she's refusing sure, to sure. attack him, right? And correct. and when when she was given the opportunity on Fox News to say how does she differ from Trump, she says I don't kick sideways.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Just <laughs> so, a quick
2: uh, quick curveball from Ian Chan. Let's get our uh, readers involved, listeners. Is Nikki Haley trying to do a Rishi Sunak?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard to compare the the, mm. the the two parties. I mean, she again. If 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 Rishi Sunak is saying he has a compelling life story, he had a mm. a, a background in in government. Um, he was you. Could, could step in, that he's a new generation of leadership. And then, yeah, I mean, he, she's trying to do that, but it's much different to do that, to try and get through a Republican yeah. primary than it is to get through the party system. So they're hard to do. I'll say the the one thing Haley has going for her, um, she is the only presidential candidate right now who is born after the 1940s.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's 51 years old. So, so that's good. I think the generational shift is going to be important to some to some voters, and she will connect with certain voters on that. Uh, and and just one one last word from what I've read: that the challenge, a big challenge for her, is going to be raising money uh, because of these other competitors around. So and
0: and you know, and that's why she yeah. got in early because yeah. you know she there are a lot of people lined up waiting to see what happens and how it plays out. Right. And there's that huge competition for money. I'll say you know hard. To, well, I don't know as you said, Glenn. She can you know, attract some people. She is called. For mandatory mental competency competency tests for politicians over the age of seventy-five. <laughs> Guess who that applies to? <laughs>
2: it applies to two people who
0: are the front runners. Right i might
2: now. not disagree with <laughs> that. <laughs> all
1: right, let's move on. Uh, you know the balloons, the balloon story uh, that we've all been watching uh, um, soar overhead for a, a few weeks now, a couple of weeks, uh, is, is been taking on some interesting. Uh, Interesting uh, side tangents, if you will. Uh, The U.S. has shot down now three more uh, balloons. Apparently all of them now they've admitted belong to civilian airship use, uh, mainly meteorological oops, and not uh, anything for spying uh, except for the first one that they believe still was spying. uh, The U.S. does uh, from Beijing now. But China, China has had an interesting approach to responding. And they have by if you follow the chronology of their responses, they've been all over the place. Uh, with with how they've been responding to this. Steve, take us kind of basically through that and what does that mean?
0: Well, the, the first thing is I am not taking any balloon trips in China or the U.S. anytime soon. That is a given.
1: No hot air balloons. <laughs> Nothing.
0: And it just you know, one of the balloons that was shot down apparently belonged to the North Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Oh. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, no children's oh. party is safe, is it? Yeah, right? <laughs> right. Right. These Mylar balloons, you, you, yeah, you're, exactly. you're, you're taking a, a risk uh, yeah. if your kid lets go of that balloon. <laughs> uh, I, know, I, I mean, China... China, anyway. it's, it's what what China's done, right? Is it started with is a contrition, right, and, and an admission that yes, this was was ours, and it has now shifted. And the Chinese strategy is the best defense is a good offense, and we are going to attack the United States, and we're going to attack the United States for an overreaction, and we're going to attack the United States by saying. Oh my God, look what's happening in, in Ohio with this derailment and, and these you know, toxic uh, gases and, 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 and a, chemicals a chemical train yeah. leasing out. Yeah. That's the number one thing trending on Weibo in, yeah. in China is let's talk about how awful the United States is domestically. Let's talk about how awful the United States is with all the spying it has done. Let's talk about how the U S has sent 10 balloons into China, even though there's zero proof about that. And, and the Biden administration has said that is a flat out lie. Uh, Um, So really what what China's done is now it's just let's obfuscate and let's attack and let's not talk about what we've been doing in the United States and other countries, maybe 40 other countries for years now, which is violating sovereignty by sending these balloons in.
1: Yeah.
2: So does this balloon thing fade away, Steve, or does it just escalate and roll into this ongoing U.S.-China spat? What happens next?
0: Well, now, you know, we, we, as we learn more and more, and again, of course, lane discipline, right? None of Always. us are balloon experts or, or military experts. But if it now appears that this was not in intended by China to go over mainland U.S., um, that somehow it got blown off course. And it it, it it should have been at 60,000 feet, but it ended up having some mechanical issues and ended up at 30,000 feet, which is why it came to the public view, because people could see it from commercial aircraft from on ground. If those things are true, then, yeah, you can it will take time, but you'll get by it. Hopefully. Secretary Blinken and in, in China's top diplomat Wang Yi will meet on the sidelines of the Munich Security Conference this week. So there's 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 opportunity for this to to, to fade away yeah. and just get back to bad relations as opposed to very bad
1: mm. relations. A couple of comments: Loisha Lee, very funny with the war between the U.S. and China from Huawei, TikTok now balloon. What's next? Uh, Don Pierce, why let truth get in the way of a good rant? Ian Chan, why are they so flustered over a long tech balloon when? they're They are using satellites to pry into Mm. each other's backyards. That that is a great question. Um, And Don
2: Pierce has followed up by saying what will be next will be semiconductors and AI. You've talked about this before, Steve, very briefly. I've heard it on many, many podcasts. Semiconductors will be the fighting battleground between these two nations.
0: Well, it's going to be more than that. It's it's going to be anything that the Chinese can use commercially that can advance them in a a military way. And so – it's not just semiconductors. That's that's the the obvious one. But what about AI? Um, what about facial recognition? What about drones? What about all of these other types of things? And that's where you're getting this real battle going between the U.S. and China. China has been doing it for for years where they have fused the military and the the economic and the commercial and that's what the US is now saying we've got to put a stop to that that's going to be the next battlefield it's going to be well beyond semiconductors
1: we have to move on steve uh, let's get into our russia ukraine War first anniversary coverage. We're starting with you, and then we're going to bring in the Russian, uh, the Ukrainian, excuse me, ambassador and Samir Puri, the author of a book on that war. And let's start with you, Stephen, and, and look at some of the business and economic impacts. We've got everything from energy prices over the past year to um, to food crises, uh, mobility. Uh, yeah, all, all kinds of things happening. So take us where we are one year on, uh, which is the, the anniversary next week of Russia's uh, um, illegal invasion into Ukraine.
0: Well, I, this, it has been a utter catastrophe and a disaster in so many ways, the Russian illegal invasion of Ukraine. And so you have uh, the the humanitarian aspects of it. You've got 8 million people have fled Ukraine. Um, 5.4 million people have been internally displaced. 18 million people there need emergency assistance. Half of their energy infrastructure has been destroyed. Um, 400,000 businesses lack power. How are you going to pay for all of this? And it's only been a year. So how are you going to do this reconstruction? And who's what? what is the role of governments going to be? What is the role of financial aid going to be what is the role of business community and the financial sector coming in to help Ukraine rebuild once it can. Um, and so the, the Ukraine's government uh, assesses the cost of recovery it, 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 you know, nearing, you know, a, a trillion dollars in the hundreds wow. of billions right now. We we talk about you know in this part of the world you know the in Vietnam but especially Cambodia, Laos, all the minefields that had to be cleared after the war. Mm. Ukraine is now one of the world's largest minefields. Mm. What is how is that going to be cleared? How many people are going to unfortunately die or get injured because the minefields in Ukraine cover that's four times the size of Switzerland. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. One hundred sixty thousand square kilometers have been mined. So so you've got all of this. It has to get addressed after the war. And we don't know when the war is going to end because Putin is just throwing. He doesn't care how many of his own citizens Mm. die. Mm. He doesn't care what's going to happen to his people. And when your leader doesn't care what's going to happen to your own people, how do you beat him?
2: Mm. Mm. Bringing it back to Singapore and the region, you involved a lot of international businesses with McClarty Associates. You sit on a lot of panels. Get involved with some think tanks. What is the mood? What are people talking about? Do we see an end game here? Is it just miserable? It's just gonna endure. What is the general consensus in and around Southeast Asia?
0: Well I would say the, the, the general consensus is that no one knows how this is going to, mm-hmm. to, to end. Um, it is if you would say it, it hasn't been the impacts haven't been felt as much. It, the, there was a huge worry about energy security. There was a, a huge worry about about food security. Some of that has been able to get addressed in part because the weather was warmer and you had a warmer winter in Europe, and that helped. Um, but I would say the things that you really worry about here is what is China going to do? For a year now, China has not gone in and aided – Russia in the way that it might have done so if China is going to aid Russia with 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 military support and then the US sanctions China and the EU sanctions China and Japan and Korea sanction China. Then what's going to happen to business here? What is going to happen to investment here? So that was the real short-term worry that people were focused on in terms of what is China going to do and what are, what is the coalition against Russia going to do if China jumps in. That is still – it's it's not as concerned people think that maybe that's not going to happen because china hasn't given that blank check to putin that he, that that this this friendship isn't unlimited but what happens if china does step in so that's a real concern
1: um, yeah uh, you know we don't know we don't know about that if it's going to happen or when uh you know purely speculative but when we look when we look at just the disruption to people we've got the refugee crisis that's happening across poland and and other countries uh, in the region there you know that alone has been so disruptive on so many levels not you know the human level first and foremost right but what that's then done to business you know those people that were running businesses were involved in business now they're on the move right um and then when you look at the the countries that are Taking them, taking in the refugees, how that's impacting them. How do we ever? You mentioned numbers before. You know, maybe a trillion dollars worth to rebuild. Uh, we don't know what that number is, but how do we ever quantify the the broad impact of this? Even assuming it ended tomorrow. Right?
0: Well, and let's talk about Russia too, because you have anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million Russians who have left. Because they don't support what Putin is doing or they don't want to get called up. Well, you know who's left? Russia. I mean these are people with the money and the education and the businesses and they've all fled. So Russia is losing its best people. Who can help that country move forward? They've lost all of those, you know, the, the engineers, all the people who do, you know, mm. IT, all those people who are brilliant.
1: Big brain drain, huh? There's a huge yeah. brain.
0: So the people from Ukraine will will presumably go back, but the people from Russia might not go back. Mm. And the longer this goes on, and you know, so you're, you've left Russia, now you've got your kids in school in Thailand, or you've got your kids in school in in Indonesia, or you've got your kids in school in Dubai. Why do yeah. you ever go back? The longer you're out, the, the more you get in, ingrained into your new country. So it, this brain drain is going both from, from mm. Ukraine out and from Russia out. And it's going to impact those countries, both of them. Um, mm. uh, the longer it goes, the, the the worse the impact will be. Uh,
2: speaking of brain drain, talk about the money drain. Don Pierce has made an interesting point. Some governments are seizing funds from sanctioned oligarchs and redirecting the funds to the Ukraine. Have you heard about that? Will it make any difference? It won't make... I mean, sh- yes, it, 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 it will make a difference to the
0: oligarchs who are losing all their money, right? But, I mean, this yeah. is... In, and it's the right thing to do. Um, it is... There are legal issues in, in how you do it when you seize property. Where does the money go and all of those issues? And so it, it sends a message to the oligarchs um, that they should not be supporting Putin. Um, but it's not going to help in terms of what the, – because the, 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 the money that's needed is so, of course. Of course. so much. But yeah, it's a, it's It's having all of these uh, effects on 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 Russia and who they're going to support. And how they should support it. Yeah
1: them. do you do you feel like the um I mean the the international community has been very much together on this? Is there any way from from your perspective, what you know, that they can ramp up even more on the sanctions uh, to to put even more pressure on Russia, or have they done kind of what they can do from what you know of the situation?
0: It, well, what it seems is. So long as China doesn't have sanctions, so long as India doesn't have sanctions, so long as they're buying the oil, then then there's there's only so much that the, the rest of the world can do. So I don't know how much more sanctions are going to impact it. I saw very interesting like a historian um, uh, ha- had this summary of of where the war is. He, the, 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 the synopsis is Ukraine is winning the war on Twitter, but Russia is winning the war on the battlefield. Mm. And the question is, so long as Russia is going to win the war on the battlefield, it doesn't matter what happens elsewhere. Um, we're going to be stuck in this awful um, stalemate that's going on right now. Then the the brunt of it being borne by, of course, the, the amazing people in Ukraine and, and the heroic people in Ukraine. And, and where do you go next? So far, the West has stayed united. It's been a year. Um, the Joe Biden, it, it's I think unquestionably his greatest foreign policy achievement is is to keep the U.S. and the West fully into Ukraine, to give them more and more and more when it comes to military, to give them more and more and more when it comes to, to financing. Will the U.S. be able to hold that? That is a question going forward um, for the next year. Now that you have the the Republicans in the House, uh, you have Nikki Haley, who's very um, Mm pro-Ukraine running for president. You have Donald Trump. Who is not? You have Republicans in the House who are not. Is Biden going to be able to keep the country united? Hopefully, he can because without it, what's going to happen with the rest of of the world when it comes to funding Ukraine? Yeah. So a lot to to think about in the in the next year mm-hmm. as to how what what happens.
2: But just jump in briefly, Steve, on that point, you know, uh, Zelensky has asked for tanks. Now he's asking for planes. Putin is not going to stop. He's not going to suddenly pull out his troops. When is enough going to be enough? At what point does the international community have to? go, for want of a better word, all in, or they just keep going as it is and hoping this thing will peter out, which it clearly won't.
0: Well, I'll all in problem is is the, that ends in in a, in a nuclear war understand which is why no one wants to get to all in and so where is the line i mean it used to be okay the line was we're not going to give missiles that can hit russian troops and then the west did we're not going to give tanks and then the west did now the line is no you know f16s or fighter jets is that line going to change what happens mm-hmm. so you you've got you know, it's terrible now, it can get worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if is the Ukraine going to change its position to say, we need to get all of our territory back, um, that 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 in including Crimea, which which, you know, Putin, uh, you know, took years ago, uh, or is Ukraine going to say, okay, we're going to have to trade some land, but we need some security assurances. And can we get into the EU? How long is is Putin going to continue to to dis, you know take his country down a path of destruction, including hundreds of thousands of of lives that are getting lost, mm. uh, Russian soldiers, and it's going to and it continue? That's that's the problem. We don't know yeah. where it ends. Yep. And and both sides, I mean, and part of it is what is Ukraine going to? How how is Ukraine going to consider victory? What does Putin need to claim victory? Both sides need to claim victory on this, and, and neither of them are setting it up in a way that, 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 that's possible that both can do it. International News Review. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio
2: app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.